Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. This week's episode, we have Lauren. Hello. James. Hi. And Justin. This week, we'll learn how to turn leaves and silk into a way to help us travel through space and fight pollution. We also find out what is going on with the Ebola outbreak in Africa, what is happening, how we're dealing with it, and what exactly Ebola is. And now we launch into our Launchpad News segment. Justin, would you describe your dreams as out of this world? I think most of my dreams are out of this world, yes. Have you ever dreamed of inventing something that would become out of this world? Well, mostly rocket ships and or anti-gravity boots, which would make me the best dancer ever. Okay, I mean, those, I will admit, are pretty cool. However, how about building something that could help sustain our life if we decided to go and live out of this world? Well, I mean, that's really important because even if I invented an amazing spaceship or amazing anti-gravity dancing boots, I wouldn't be able to breathe in space and I need a source of oxygen. So, yeah, that would, that would be really useful. Well, it turns out that Julian Mel Corey, a graduate of the Royal College of Arts, has developed this really cool biomaterial which is going to help with that, um, all these issues we have with space travel. Right, so he's, he's made anti-gravity biomaterials? Uh, no, I'm sorry, it, it isn't that I like. It is, however, a way of um, producing oxygen while we're away in space. Well, that, that's, that's really important because, obviously, for those of you who aren't aware, space is a vacuum and oxygen t- tends not to hang out there in available quantities that we can readily breathe, which means that if we want to breathe in space, we have to bring all the air that we need with us and then clean it because we can't just keep rebreathing carbon dioxide that we breathe out. So maintaining a clean air supply, like in a submarine, is critically important for a spaceship and is one of the biggest challenges that they have. So what this scientist has created is actually he worked in conjunction with um, a silk lab at Tufts University and he created a plant silk combo machine thing. So he, he took a plant and then made it silk so like you could make it into an outfit? What, what, how did he do that? Okay, so what he actually did was he took um, some chloroplasts from plants. And what chloroplasts are um, are these little organelles in plant cells um, that contain chlorophyll, which traps light energy. And it's actually what makes plants look green. And in these chloroplasts, um, that's where photosynthesis occurs. So the plants make energy for itself out of using light. Right, so he's taken that and then woven it into the silk, basically? Basically, yes. That's that's amazing. So he now has, what, a silk fabric that produces oxygen, like a plant? That's exactly what he's done. So so what what actually, just run us through the process of photosynthesis and what's actually required and how it actually works. Okay, so in photosynthesis what happens is um, a cell needs a few things to actually photosynthesize. Yeah, right, it, it can't needs- just do it on its own. It can't just decide, yeah, today I'm producing oxygen. Uh, today I feel like being productive and alive, so I'm just going to, like, magically pull these things out of, you know, thin air. Yeah. Well, this kind of needs air. Stale air, not thin air, but yes. Mm-hmm. So what does it actually take to produce oxygen? So what it takes is carbon dioxide, yep. water, okay. and, and sunlight as energy. Right, so the sunlight acts as almost the providing the energy catalyst to 
combine the air and the sort of the carbon dioxide and the water react together to produce what? So what actually comes out of that? So what is comes? Just, is it just oxygen? Uh, no, it's not just oxygen. It produces oxygen, which is which is what we're the most obsessed about because we breathe in the oxygen and breathe out carbon dioxide. Yeah, it's super um, important. <laughs> which is why we like plants so much because they help us survive. Yes. Um, but it also produces glucose, okay. which which we know as sugar, and is actually used in another cycle called cellular respiration, and produces energy for the cell. Right. So the plant the plant gets out of it the the cell the glucose, right? So that's what it needs mm-hmm. to survive, and it just as a byproduct basis of the chemistry equation that happens produces oxygen, which just ha- so happens to be what we need to survive. So it's a nice little synergy. Yeah, so they, it basically has um, the oxygen is like a waste product. It's like, psh, we don't need that oxygen. That's just like an extra. We're like, oh, my God, thank you for the oxygen. So what he's managed to do with this silk leaf is actually what get a, a piece of silk that now undertakes this reaction. So I'm assuming it needs sunlight easy, or light, so that's easily done, and then um, some sort of water. So you'd make, you need to wet the silk. Mm-hmm. So what he's actually done with this is um, he's put it around like, light fixtures in his own home. Oh, that's amazing. So he has, like, ever-fresh air because it's just constantly being refreshed, literally. Only if he turns his lights on, though, because he needs, like, a source of light energy for it. (laughs) That's incredible. So obviously we're talking a bit about the space applications for it, but even if you thought outside of that into clean offices and houses and all other kinds of things, there'd be wonderful applications for having this, uh, having this, this fabric. But what I'm guessing would be even more incredible would be for cities with heavy pollution, uh, so such as Beijing uh, or Shanghai uh, or even L.A., uh, you could actually have a suit made of this silk mm-hmm. and you, it would get water from the atmosphere, from the moisture in the air, plus sweat, and also if you wetted it itself manually, and it would just produce you fresh air to walk around in this heavy polluted atmosphere. Which is especially great because it's Beijing and Shang- uh, Shanghai, they're so tightly packed in with like offices and things so you're pretty much guaranteed to have constant light sources yeah i guess that would be amazing so you could have this suit and just walk around the city of lights in la and you know (laughs) have lovely fresh air wherever you need to go without having to lug around your own oxygen tank well that is a really fascinating piece of scientific artistic fashion design chemistry research from where was that from Warren? from the royal college of art in london in the news recently about Ebola. Why are we talking about this? What What is going on? Right. So first we have to start with saying, like, what is Ebola? And Ebola is basically, it's a virus. It's an acute viral illness. Um, technically, it's Ebola hemorrhagic fever. So it, it's a type of fever. Um, but it's a rap- easily spread virus that is transmitted through contact with bodily fluids uh, and it can be pretty devastating when it's uncontained much like typhoid and a number of other of these kind of uh, an E. coli these type of viruses sorry E. coli is a bacteria but like typhoid this kind of virus Ebola is can be very deadly so it's spreading currently um, in an almost uncontrolled manner through West Africa, um, through several countries such as Sierra Leone, uh, West Guinea, and it's sort of having some interactions with Lake, um, Nigeria and Senegal at the moment as well. 
So basically what's happening is it's a virus that is spreading and causing, sadly, a lot of deaths. Okay, so I've heard like of a few um, different viruses and stuff that have originated in animals. Is this one that's been around for a while as like a human virus or...? Yeah, so it's it's not we're not quite sure where this virus actually originally came from. So generally, we there's all kinds of different viruses, and they they take steps where they migrate and transmute in how they exist through different hosts. And we believe that Ebola actually probably came from bats first inside their intestinal tracts, uh, and then they probably gave it to primates through ingestion, um, and then we probably got it uh, when hunting and eating the infected animals. So bats, pigs, dogs. Uh, believed to be what actually was holding the virus and then causing that to spread. So with the first places where it sort of started in Sudan, um, they they believe that this was actually from the ingestion of the animals that were actually carrying this virus inside them. Okay, so if you end up with the Ebola virus, what does it really mean? Like, is it, yeah, you well, said it has a fever? Yes, that's right. So what happens when you actually catch Ebola is it usually takes about 21 days before, you know, up to 21 days really, before it actually has a real significant impact on you. But what it does at its core is gives you like really severe flu, right? So that can look, can feel a bit like the flu and then it goes crazy, right? So we have all kinds of aches, pains, fevers, vomiting and diarrhea. And the killer part about the vomiting and the diarrhea is A, that spreads because it's a bodily fluid and that can cause the spread of the, and that's how it's transmitted. But also it leads to dehydration, um, which obviously leads to failure of organs such as livers, kidneys, and hemorrhaging. Um, so sometimes what can happen is that uh, a, an incident called uh, a cytokine storm, which basically your body becomes uh, so overwhelmed with what it's trying to fight that it, it starts damaging the actual organs and tissues inside of you. So your body is so worked up trying to fight this virus that it actually starts damaging itself. And that can you know, be a repetitive cycle of, of even more danger. So really what actually happens to the actual symptoms that you see and the things that you feel is like a very, very severe flu virus that um, causes fevers, pains, vomiting and diarrhea. And it can lead to dehydration and organ failure and sometimes ultimately death. Do we have a way to treat this? Well, unfortunately, this is the ch really challenging part about it. We don't at this stage have a treatment that we know actually works. We have done some trials on stopping uh, this virus. We've done some tests on, I believe it's rats and guinea pigs, and we've proven that that, that can work um, <laughs> uh, in, in the test cases that we've done. Uh, so I believe the in April, they actually developed an antiviral molecule uh, in rodents that worked really well. And... They're running some really emergency experimental treatments on this to try and get it into clinical trials on humans, but they actually haven't had a chance to do proper clinical trials on humans yet. So we are working on a, a, a cure to this, so to speak, an antiviral cure, but we don't have one readily available, which is a real challenge, um, which means that all we can do to effectively treat is make sure that the symptoms that it causes don't actually cause organs to fail, bodies to fail, and prevent the spread. So really what we're doing at the, at the strategy at the moment is containment and keeping people stable. So this has caused a large number of deaths. And the reason why it's been so deadly and spread so fast is where it hit. Um, it, hit it started off in areas of uh, in, in Guinea and Sudan. 
and then spread to Liberia and Sierra Leone, mostly because the people that were getting infected with it, um, it happening in these communities where they don't have great sanitation, they don't have great access to water, and the treatment and the quarantine practices aren't very, obviously, aren't, aren't there at all, which means that people were then exposed to it, carrying it before they started to become really symptomatic and then spreading it through the bodily fluids. Um, and that's why they've had, you know, 1,300 um, confirmed cases at the moment in West Africa this year and about 700 deaths. So that's a 50% fatality rate. But again, a lot of these deaths are happening because the way in which you're managing either the spread or the actual end result of it on the people, um, it's is what's killing them. So it's not necessarily the, the disease itself. It's more the fact that they're becoming dehydrated, their organs are failing, and there's not enough support there for them. Which is why um, some two Americans who actually came into contact trying to clean uh, to help in this instance, they're actually being flown to the states and in, obviously in quarantine um, in the hospital in, in Atlanta to actually give them the more support because of the infrastructure available there as opposed to available in West Africa, which is a bit more lacking. And with that, they obviously those people will be able to survive, which is the great for them, but not so great for the rest of the people in in West West Africa who are actually struggling with this which is why organisations like the CDC, the WHO World Health Organisation, Medicine Sans Frontiers uh, are working on providing logistics and support infrastructure for the people, not just, you know, vaccines and cures, but actually making sure that people are looked after, managed and quarantined effectively to prevent spread, but also and try to improve that fatality rate. Okay, so if it stays contained, that should be fine. How worried should I be, though? Yeah, so again, much like any other major virus, flus and those kind of things, the biggest danger is not so much the indiv- an individual con- contracting it and being treated with best medical care. The challenge is when it impacts large populations of people and spreads and means that, you know, curing for one person who's got something and making sure that they're okay is really easy. Curing for 1,500 people who have it is really tough. Uh, and that's the challenge for it. If you were to catch it, much like if you were to catch swine flu or H1N1, chances are that you're probably in Australia looked after reasonably well. You may have to go into quarantine and it will not certainly not be fun, but through um, correct practice, we should be able to keep you okay and alive. But we, it, is, it is a dangerous thing and it goes to show the impact of spread of disease and why trying to maintain good infrastructure, especially in populations um, where they don't have access to it, such as clean water, um, proper treatment of sewage and waste and medical, good medical facilities means that you prevent something like this from getting out of hand in the first place. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, The Grange Point. This week we learn how to turn leaves and silk into a way to help us travel through space and fight pollution. We also find out what is going on with the Ebola outbreak in Africa, what is happening, how we're dealing with it, and what exactly Ebola is. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.